Hello, everybody. Uh, very happy Father's Day to those of you who are dads. And may the divine qualities of the Heavenly Father reside within us all, bringing us to that perfect balance in God. So today, um, for those of you who are new here, I am Nayaswami Maria. This is Nayaswami Ananta. And today we have Brahmachari Jitendra to give the inspirational talk for our service. I'm going to begin uh, with a reading. Ah, one more thing. Um, today's service will be a little bit different uh, right after the close of our service. Those of you who would like, we're going to take a little walk to the opposite side of Lotus Lake over there and have a brief dedication of the Pavilion of Gratitude. That'll be about 20 minutes or so, and the expanding light will hold lunch for you. So uh, if you want to join us for that, um, that would be great. Okay, so <clears throat> week 24, how devotees rise. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda and written by Swami Kriyananda. Last week we asked the question, why do devotees fall? And we considered the downfall of Judas in this context. Jesus, in answer to Judas's criticism for allowing Mary to rub his feet with spikenard, a very costly ointment, said, The poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Jesus is saying here that there is one supreme injustice that needs eradication. Poverty, yes, but not of a material kind. Poverty in a spiritual sense. Divine blessings are not common in this world. They are extraordinary. When they come, we should give them priority above every other consideration. Never allow a moment of inner joy, for instance, to be set aside for lesser duties. Divine attunement is our highest priority. As Lahiri Mahashai, the guru of Yogananda's guru, said, to listen to the heart's inner sound, Om, which issues from the very center of our being, is man's highest duty. Mary, on this occasion, was not communing in inner silence with Christ's spirit, as she had been when Martha urged Jesus to reproach her for not helping out in the kitchen. Mary, this time, was serving outwardly, but in a very different spirit from the restless fussing for which Jesus 
had reprimanded her sister, Martha. Those who see a radical difference between the paths of action and meditation should understand this distinction. To serve in the right spirit is necessary, for only thereby can we overcome our karmic tendencies toward restless activity. The important thing is that spirit be always inwardly focused, that in everything we do, we act in loving service to the Lord. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita says in the third chapter, the state of freedom from action, that is, of eternal rest in the spirit, cannot be achieved without action. No one, by mere renunciation and outward non-involvement, can attain perfection. Whenever the Spirit of God descends upon you, however, remember the words of Jesus, Me ye have not always with you. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Also, would like to wish everyone a happy Father's Day, especially all of you who are a channel for that presence of the Father. As Maria was saying, that perfect balance. Uh, also, I think all of us would agree to give thanks to our beloved Guru, who is a perfect channel of that love of the Father, of the Mother who is our friend, who is our beloved. So I'd like to start off by reading from Whispers from Eternity by Paramahansa Yogananda. And these are prayers and poems. And this is entitled, Let Me Feel That Thou and I Art One. When the sparks of cosmic creation flew from under thy crucible of love, I danced with all the lights that herald the coming of mirrored worlds. I am a little spark of that joyous cosmic fire. O oh, thou son of life, as thy nectar poured into the little cups of human minds, filled with molten liquid of vital sparks, they thought to contain thy golden infinity in the smallness of their human feelings. In each fragile, Undulating mirror of human flesh, I see reflected thy restless dance of omnipresent power. In the lambent waters of life, I behold thy ever steady, almighty life. Teach me, Christ-like, by the power of concentration, to still the restless storms of desire raging on the lake of my mind. Stilling those waters, I lovingly behold thy unruffled face of cosmic stillness. Cause the little wave of my life to subside, that thy consciousness in me spread out to become thine own vastness. 
Let me feel my heart throbbing in thy breast, my feet moving with thy energy, thy breath breathing through mine, thy energy actively moving my arms, thy thoughts weaving all the thoughts in my brain. When I cry, thy soft sigh within me wakens me to thy joy. In thy playfulness, little bubble visions of thy creation float dancingly in the chamber of my dreams, which manifest in my sleep of delusion. Thy meteoric will courses through the skies of my own willpower. Make me feel that it is thou who art I. Oh, make me thyself, that I may behold my little bubble of self ever floating in thee. So a wonderful topic this week, how devotees rise. I wanted to start off by sharing that um, a few days ago, I on my, my walk home to the monastery, uh, I, I had to park my vehicle in a different location due to uh, fire clearing. And so I parked my vehicle at a, a spot that I wasn't sure if it was appropriate or not, but I trusted everything would be okay. So on my way home, I was walking by my vehicle and I saw on the front windshield what looked like a ticket, a parking ticket. And I thought, oh gosh, may, could this be the first and only parking ticket issued at Ananda? <laughs> so as I got closer to my vehicle and I pulled the, what I thought was a ticket off my windshield, there was a very wonderful riddle that was written on a piece of paper. And I wanted to share it with you today. And the riddle is, if a yogi goes off in the middle of the woods with no one around, any chance om? Will anyone hear it? Does it make a sound? So what do you think? <laughs> well, this reminded me a little bit of the Heavenly Father because it's some, for some of us, it's difficult to tune into the Heavenly Father. And absolutely, Om, the vibration of Om is everywhere. It is in every particle of creation. It is up to us to quiet the mind, to still the heart, to be able to tune in and to hear and feel and see the sound of Om. And the Heavenly Father, in a similar way, though he seems invisible, though it sound, it, it's difficult to hear him, Yogananda said that the Heavenly Father is that presence of cosmic consciousness that is just beyond creation. It is just beyond that vibration. And for us to tune into His presence, the Father works through channels, through the great Guru perceptors that are perfect channels for His voice to become audible, for His presence to be felt, and His guidance to be fully recognized and embraced. And so if we are to honor the Father, as Yogananda said, we must honor those channels, those gurus that come to show us the way. And so appropriate it is for today's topic, how devotees rise, that we speak about the guru. Many devotees who would come to Paramahansa Yogananda, he would tell all of them, be in tune with me so that I can work with you. And Swami Kriyananda defined attunement as harmony. To be in perfect harmony with that guidance, 
with that will which comes from the father, which comes from the mother. When Swami Kriyananda came to Paramahansa Yogananda, Yogananda-ji asked him, will you give me your unconditional love? Will you give me your unconditional obedience? And Swamiji, in the unconditional obedience area, was a little uh, hesitant and so asked Yogananda, well, what if I find you to be wrong? And Yogananda responded and said, I will never ask of you anything that Divine Mother doesn't ask and flow through me. So just the same for us as we are in tune with that presence of the Guru, that vibration that has come as a channel for each and every one of us to become free. And the Guru comes for only one purpose, which is to deliver you from delusion. So for us, we the more that we can embrace in our hearts this chant that Maria did, that if we want to get over the ocean of delusion, Guru image of Brahma, deliver us from delusion. Guru image of Brahma, deliver us from delusion. To repeat this in our hearts, to keep this in our minds throughout the day. Because as we tune into that, that river of grace, all of those obstructions that are keeping us from perceiving that perfect reflection of God's love, of the presence of the Father, will wash away. Each and every one of us is a special project for Guruji. We all know how projects work. They all don't just unfold just perfectly. And sometimes there's, you know, certain areas that need extra special attention. Well, all of us are special projects. And he is fully committed to your project to help you to become free. So more about how the Father works with us. How does the Guru work with us to help us to rise? to rise above limitation, all of the limited self-definitions that we may carry along with us. Well, to start with, we have self-awareness. So we hear in the Festival of Light each week that from birth, the dawning of self-awareness comes into realization. So we come, become aware. Well, many individuals still, not so much everyone here, but we, we begin to feel that you, we've reached that high ledge on the evolutionary ladder of, of realization. And we begin to enjoy that self-awareness, the possession of that awareness. But the thing that becomes a little problematic is that we begin to enjoy that for a little too long. And from there stems all of the struggles, all of the problems that we begin to struggle with. So Swami Kriyananda once told the story of a friend of his that he was witnessing his friend working with her uh, two-year-old. And uh, the, the child was growing up, and it was time to let go of some of the things that were no longer appropriate for you know, uh, a two-, three-year-old um, boy to be doing. And so, so she said simply to the little boy, I think that it's time to let go of that. It's, uh, you're, you're, you're older now. It's time to let go of that. You're not a baby any longer. And so his reply was, but I like being a baby. And so just the same for us, we tend to cling and get comfortable with that familiar warmth. And, and it's hard to let go and hard to, to move into uh, the next uh, era in our life with embracing our higher self. 
And the next step for all of us, as Swamiji reminded us often, is that we must begin to expand that self-awareness until it eventually reaches infinity. So through that expansion, we begin to uh, realize that we are not separate, that we are one. And in that awareness, we begin to naturally rise. I have a little bit of um, insight, I believe, through the several years on the spiritual path. I'm still a young chicken, but I'm beginning to crack a little bit of God's code, I think. And one of the things I'm starting to realize is that a lot of the blueprint of God and the Father and Divine Mother and how they work with us is by giving us things and taking things away from us. Just as any mother or father works with their children, when it's appropriate, they will give what's needed and also take away that which is no longer serving them. And so with this realization, as I reflected on this, there are two things that happen if we put up a fight in this process. <laughs> And the two things that happen is, one, if we are clasping on to those things that the Heavenly Father, the Divine Mother is trying to take from us to help us rise, if we're clasping on to that with all of our might, out of fear of letting it go, out of, uh, out of doubt, what happens is that we begin to enter this tug of war with God. And when we enter that tug of war, our energy becomes depleted. All of that energy that we're using in this tug of war with God, although the tug of war game is fun sometimes, although here at Ananda, we play the tug of peace. So I think that we're onto something with that. But as we play the tug of war with God, then our energy gets depleted. And that energy that we're using in that tug of war could be used to help us rise. As we let go of resistances, naturally that grace which is in every breath will help you begin to expand. The other thing that happens is if our hands are too occupied with holding on to those things that we don't want to let go, then there's no room to receive. So as much as we can to rest in God, that chant that we did in the beginning, so beautiful, rest in God, live in God, in his light, in his joy, in his love. As we rest and we trust that the intervention that's happening in our life through God's presence, through the Guru's presence, is for our best, it's for our good. And it's not enough just to enter this game. It's not enough just to crack this little code in the blueprint of God. But we also have to have the right attitude. And when we have the right attitude in this process, when we cooperate with that grace, and we move beyond the step of just trying to let go a little bit of that which is trying to happen in your life, and we step into that area of self-offering, that spirit of devotional self-offering, when we come to God and say, God, this is no longer serving me, Change me. Change no circumstance in my life, as Sister Gyanamata said. Take this from me. When we have that courage to stand before God at the altar and say, change me. I want you alone. Then we can trust that that grace will be able to enter and will take charge of our life. It may be difficult, but trust as you trust God, you will feel an ever-increasing presence of joy, of love, of bliss in your life. Swami once said that it's not enough 
to just receive your tests. We must love them. We must embrace them because they are there to liberate you. Just as Christ said in this reading that the poor you always have with you, but me you have not always. He's showing the devotees in that circumstance that everything that comes in every moment of your life, embrace it as Guru's grace. And then from there, you will perceive beyond the rational reasoning mind into the vast perception of God, which you'll begin to see for your own life, those things that are needed to support you on this inner pilgrimage. You know, Swami Kriyananda was a, such a beautiful, powerful example for all of us of right attitude. And there was a story that perhaps some of you here uh, helped Swamiji in this project. In the 70s, Swami Kriyananda and perhaps many of you built the uh, temple up at the meditation retreat. Well, after the temple was built, I'm sure there was lots of joy and celebration, but the temple burnt down. So Swamiji, after the temple burnt down, was reaching upwards to God. And he felt an overwhelming presence of joy, of bliss flowing through him. So he told God, he said, wow. He said, if this is what it takes for me to feel this joy, this bliss of your presence, then go ahead and take the common dome too. He recognized that through that cooperation and self-offering and always reaching upwards to God in every moment, you begin to feel his presence that's beyond creation, beyond the circumstances, beyond the project. In the calmness and stillness within your own being lies that ocean of joy, that ocean of bliss. Nayaswami Jyotish wrote of such an inspiring story that I highly recommend all of you to read and to get a copy of if you have not read this. It is called Life is a Pilgrimage. I'd like to just very briefly give a little synopsis of this story. So this story that Jyotish himself places himself as a main character, uh, explained that he was looking to go on pilgrimage and on this pilgrimage, uh, that he found. There were many pilgrimages, and one of them that he found was called the New Path, and or the called the Path. And this was tied to the lineage of Paramahansa Yogananda. And so, as he uh, decided to go on this pilgrimage, he at the entrance of this this journey, this pilgrimage, it, it seemed very much like Disneyland. There are lots of stores and lots of people. Some people are dressed very simple with a backpack and sandals and a t-shirt and shorts and others had you know more stuff with them and so to support those individuals with more stuff they had carriages as well as one of the individuals there this really tall guy had this he put together these four carts into this big rig because there were things that you could purchase along uh, the journey as well as there were many free thing free items and so to give an overview of this story, as they started off on this pilgrimage, many people who had lots of things noticed that along the pilgrimage, the, the path at the beginning, which was very nice and paved, and there were nice tall oak trees creating nice shade, and it was just lovely. But after a certain amount of time, the, the journey started to get a little more difficult as things started to... Um, the path itself became more challenging as the incline started to increase. And so those people who had lots of stuff had to realize that they had to let those things go if they are going to continue onward in their journey. 
until finally they get to a point where, especially the, the gentleman who had the four carts and tons of things on it, he, he had a large plasma TV in, this, in his cart that he was carrying along with him. And so Jyotish was a little, you know, inquisitive about that. And they got to a part where there was lots of steers and the incline really started to increase. And so he wondered about this, this gentleman with the plasma TV. Well, shortly thereafter, he noticed that this man did let go of his four carts, but he strapped the plasma TV to his back. And he was going on his journey with his plasma TV. You can see where this story goes. I recommend you to read it. There are many deep lessons in this story. But you see that... On this journey upward, we have to be willing to let go. Let go of those things that are heavy, that are con constrictive to our, our being with, with attitudes of anger and doubt and all of those things that just weigh us down. As we ascend upwards into spirit, we have to realize that we have to let things go, that we have to change. So there's a story of... Uh, in the Bible, in Jeremiah, there's a very beautiful uh, quote. Uh, Behold, just like clay in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands. And there's a story of a, a young couple that on their anniversary, they went out shopping and they very much liked tea, tea sets and, and tea cups. And they went to this one shop and they found this the most beautiful teacup they've ever seen. So they asked the shop owner, could I see this teacup? And so the woman gave them the teacup, and the teacup spoke up and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've not always been a beautiful teacup. I was once just a, a clump of clay in my master's hands. Let me tell you the story of my life. And he said, in the beginning, I was just this lump of clay. And my master one day started to pat me all over and roll me all around. And I said, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. You're hurting me. What are you doing? And my master just stood there and just shook his head and said, not yet, not yet. And so then I find myself getting put on this wheel and spinning around and around and around. And I was getting dizzy and I said, stop, what are you doing? I'm getting dizzy. And he said, not yet, not yet. So then before I knew it, he's putting me in the oven. I found myself in the oven cooking. I couldn't breathe. I was knocking on the, the oven door, looking at him saying, let me out, let me out. What are you doing? I can die. And I saw my master. He just stood there shaking his head. Not yet, not yet. So finally, the door opened. He took me out. He put me on the table. Oh, I started to cool off. I thought everything was going to be okay. But then all of a sudden, I, I couldn't breathe. There were all these fumes all around me. And I told him, I cried. I said, what are you doing? I'm suffocating. Stop. And he said, not yet, not yet. And I, th I thought it was over. But then, sure enough, he put me back in the oven. And it was twice as hot as the first time. I thought, this is the end. And he was just about to give up. As he looked through the door at his master, as the master kept shaking his head, not yet, not yet. And I, he said, that's it. I'm, it's over. Just at that moment when he was going to give up, the door opened. And his master took him out of the oven. And he put him down. And he felt relaxed a little bit. He was cooling down. And after an hour went by, his master came with a mirror and gave him the mirror. And he looked at himself and said, it's beautiful. I'm beautiful. So just the same for all of us. 
We have to trust the process. Trust the process that the Guru, Divine Mother, in every moment of your life, stand with an open heart, with joy, embracing that presence as it changes you. It may be uncomfortable at times, it may be hot, it may be dizzy, but the Guru is there to set you free. The more we cooperate with this process, the more you'll find that you will feel the joy of God increasing and the bliss will be deepening. There was a time when I was in India and I got really sick. A long story short, uh, I, it was very important for me to have time with Swamiji in India. And so it was a really blessed time, but I got very, very sick to the point where I realized that I wasn't getting any better. I needed to come back to America. And that was one of the most challenging tests in my life because there I was with Swamiji and uh, the monks in India and great souls. Everything was to the plan that I thought was going to be the plan for my greatest realization. But as I came home, it was a very difficult time. I thought I had abandoned my guru. I had abandoned Swamiji. And I just started to put in my backpack all the heaviest bricks that man has made. And I started slumping further and further down. It was a very challenging time. Until one day, out of thin air, I felt Master's booming voice come into my consciousness. And as if I visualized him, as we all have heard his voice, he folded his arms and he said, I'm sorry, who are you to determine how best your time was spent in India for your spiritual realization. <laughs> and I bowed in humility because he was showing me, trust the process. We have to get out of our minds and into our hearts and then connect that heart, our hearts to the Guru's heart, to Divine Mother's heart and trust, trust the process. Because we're kind of closing here, I'd like to just share a couple of closing remarks that in today's reading, the importance of right attitude, especially in our service, and service is a way toward liberation. When I was in Calcutta, I had the opportunity to visit Mother Teresa's ashram, and on her tomb where her body was, written in marigold flowers, said, love seeks to serve. So beautiful, such a good reminder for us. First, we must seek God and get in tune with that presence of love because then from that love naturally, it will become easier and more joyful for us to be willing to offer ourselves. Before God has to take it away from us, we can offer ourselves through our service to others. And praying for others is so important. In this very sacred place, Lourdes, in France, where... Divine Mother appeared to St. Bernadette. You can go there and you can receive a blessing from the holy water there that has, has performed many, many miracles. And when I was there, it was such a sacred, beautiful um, reflection of the power of self-offering. Many people were healed at that place in Lourdes by the grace of Divine Mother. And in this you have an opportunity to enter this bath that has this holy water. And before you dip into the water, there's a statue of Mary. And there are two uh, priests there. And you have an opportunity to pray to Divine Mother to, to offer a prayer before you're blessed. And many, many, many of the miracles that happened to people, they were later asked, 
what was your prayer? None of them, or very few, or many of them prayed for others during that time. They weren't praying for themselves, they were praying for others. So in that same spirit, seek opportunities to offer yourself because that is one of the greatest ways of setting yourself free by attuning to that grace. And just to close, there was a, um, a quote in the autobiography of a yogi that Paramahansa Yogananda chose to incorporate from Rabindranath Tagore, which I thought was such a, a staple to the yogi's diet, not only food, but our mental and heart diet, is that when tireless striving, where tireless, tireless striving reaches its arms upwards toward perfection, this is our life, where tireless striving reaches its arms upwards to ask for that grace to fill us, to change us. And just to close, I'd like to read this from our beloved Guru. So if you wish, you can close your eyes and offer this as a prayer to the Heavenly Father, or just use this as a visualization, but feel the blessings in your heart. Beloved Father, I will receive power from thy almighty hands by glass clasping thee in meditation. I will receive prosperity from thy limitless resources by first recognizing thee as my Father. Teach me to seek the prosperity of others with the same zeal that I seek for myself. Heavenly Father, I know now that I have always been thy child and that I have never really been separated from thee. Therefore, I claim all my rights as a child of the ruler of the universe. I will listen to thy wisdom from the lips of intuition by visiting thee in the temple of Samadhi, oneness in God. God bless you all. Slumber, nor 
sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming.